Thanks for being here, everyone. It's good to see you. So I want to talk tonight about, um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about conditioning, but a very particular type of conditioning. And I was, I'm reading a book called The Body is Not an Apology. Has anybody heard of that or read it? It's really excellent book. Someone, I don't know actually how I got it or why I, uh, uh, I put a hold on it at the library, and I don't know if somebody told me about it or I read it on the list, but it's really excellent. And it, and it talks about uh, some, a particular type of conditioning. So I wanted to, I thought it would be really a good um, examination, a good investigation of conditioning. Um, you know, the Buddha talks, and I talk a lot about conditioning, and the Buddha talks about conditioning a lot in the in the suttas. It's a really key part of Buddhist teaching. In fact, we are all conditioned beings, and all conditioned things are impermanent. I talked about impermanence a couple of weeks ago. Um, everything is impermanent, and, and we are conditioned. And in fact, um, this word sankara, means all conditioned things and so there's a word sankara and sankara the buddha says is um conditioned by ignorance and it's a great cause of suffering this conditioning this attachment to particular things so sankara the is this condition these conditioned formations are part of the the teaching on dependent origination, which is basically the cycle of birth and redeath and samsara, this continuation, this ongoing suffering. Because of this, this arises. Because of this, this arises. It's because one thing leads to another, leads to another. All things arise and vanish. And when we get caught up in these conditioned formations, it leads to suffering. Um, you know, and um, I found an essay by Bhikkhu Bodhi where he talks about this, and he says that um, sankaras, these conditioned formations, are painful and stressful because they are impermanent, they're transient, and we get attached to impermanent things, and they go away, and we suffer, but it's, 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 we get attached to these conditioned things that are we make up ideas of the way things should be and we become attached to them and they disappear and we're like, ah, so we, we continually chase after them. Um, but the, and the Buddha says to gain release from suffering, which is what he teaches. I teach the nature of suffering and, and the end of suffering. So it's like that core, that kernel he says to win complete release from suffering, we must gain release from these conditioned formations, from this conditioning, from these conditioned ideas that just kind of permeate our minds and how we move through the world. And when we do, we have Nibbana, Nirvana, which is the unconditioned. Another word for Nirvana is the unconditioned. Uh, but as long as we continue to identify with these the, these works of ignorance, the um, the these conditioned formations, this conditioning, we're going to suffer. And he talks about Bhikkhu Bodhi, who's a, a very well regarded monk and scholar in the Thai forest tradition. He says, um, as long as we 
crave and hold on to this conditioning, we keep getting caught up in this hamster wheel of wanting something and it being impermanent and trying to hold on to it and it disappearing and chasing more. He says, it goes on and on, shrouded in the delusion that we're in control, sustained by an ever tantalizing, ever receding hope of final satisfaction. I love that ever tantalizing, ever um, ever receding hope of final satisfaction because you've ch we chase stuff all the time thinking we will finally arrive and yeah we achieve things and we meet goals and we we you know we graduate from college or or we run a a marathon or we get to some place we want to get to however um, there's no final satisfaction there's no we get there and then ta-da we live happily ever after. So as long as we're stuck on that hamster wheel, we're going to continually suffer and, 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 and be stressed out and be unsatisfied. However, when we wake up in the Dharma, when we wake up in this practice, we put a break on this relentless generation of conditioned formations, as Bhikkhu Bodhi says. By putting an end to the constructing of conditioned reality, we open the door to what is ever present, ever present, but not constructed, the not conditioned. And the Buddha says the subsiding of formations, the subsiding of this conditioning is blissful. When we can let go of these conditioned, these conditioned ideas we have, there's bliss. So um, that's kind of the underpinning of looking at this idea of conditioning and I really like this book um, uh, the body is a is not an apology apology it's written by a woman uh, Sonia Renee Taylor and she's talking about her premise in the book is and, and okay it's not a Buddhist book it doesn't teach Buddhism but with so many things it kind of echoes the Buddhist teachings because it's it's so basic this stuff is so basic but we you know sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees because it is so basic and elemental and her premise is that we are conditioned beings and we suffer and cause great harm to others and ourselves we cause great harm to others and ourselves because of this so it's about seeing the conditioning and disentangling from it that's pure Buddhist teaching right there. So we're caught in this conditioning. And so she focuses on bodies and she talks about the diversity of bodies. There's the diversity of size, race, sexual orientation, gender, physical ability, and mental health. And the bodies, the body, there are all these bodies in the world and they are all diverse. There's no normal. There's no default that is better, but we've been trained there is a perfect body. There is a default body that, that kind of it rises to the top, and, and we're taught that that's perfection. That's, that's the, the one. That's the ultimate. And we're taught from the womb practically it's in what we hear and what we see what we learn in school maybe not even explicitly but it's implicit in what we see um, there's this incredibly deep conditioning 
that we experience that causes tremendous suffering. And she says, being different in a diff is difficult in a world that tells us there is a normal. Being different in a world that says there is a normal is incredibly painful. And I bet every single one of you have suffered from that. Every single one of us in this room has been told that we don't meet the normal. We don't fall into the default category. You know? And what did the Buddha teach us? I started talking about this when we moved into the pandemic a few months ago. A few months ago, several, whatever, five months ago already, four months ago. There is no normal. Everybody was in this place of, I need to get back to normal. We have to get back to normal. And what we were trying to do is clutch onto something that doesn't exist. There's habits that we develop. There's ways we move through life. There's that that seems, you know, it's kind of seems steady, but there's no fixed. This is the default world. This is how you, this is what it always comes back to when things are, when the world is in alignment and Jupiter is aligned with Mars, you know, this is how it looks. No, but we think that because it feels safe. It feels safe. And so there is no normal, but we have been trained to this normal, which causes so much suffering. Historically, evolutionarily, it was important for us to differentiate between um, to differentiate between or see differences like um, the lizard on a rock needs to know if that's prey or a predator. Is that, that going to eat me or am I going to eat it? So it's important to recognize this difference. And the brain is set up to do a shorthand calculation of like good, bad, good, bad, danger, not danger, danger, not danger. Um, the problem is we have continued to classify in this way even when it's not necessary. And we continue to sort ourselves in various categories that only makes sense to ourselves that don't really, there's no grand scheme of things that says this is the way it's supposed to be. And, I, and as I was reflecting on this, I thought of a couple of examples. When I was in graduate school many years ago, I read a book and I wrote a paper on it. It was for an anthropology class. It was called Mother Camp, which was an anthropological study of a drag queen community. I, I'm not sure where it was. It might have been in New York. I can't remember. It's been a while. But, you know, and how there was an um, normal and abnormal and default inside a camp community, which was so ostracized by the bigger community. And so it's extraordinary. And, and so there was that example and then I also reflected back when I lived in Israel for a year. I spent a junior year in Israel. And um, Israel, Palestine, uh, and Israel was predominantly founded by uh, Ashkenazi Jews from Europe, um, Eastern Europe, and, and Russia. So they were the, the founding people um, uh, when the state of Israel was created in 1948 and predominant in politics and they're white, but there's also in the diaspora, there's the Ashkenazi, but there's also the Sephardi, who were the, the Jews who stayed in the Middle East, who went to North Africa, Iraq, Iran, 
um, Kurdistan. And there was a migration, and a migration of those Jews into Israel in the 60s and 70s. And when I was there in the 70s, I was mortified by the discrimination against the Sephardi. It was by Ashkenazi. It was like the Moroccan, and I can't remember exactly, but it went like this. The Moroccans are thieves. The Kurds are murderers. The Iraqis are whatever. And they had, it was this, oh, if you're this, you're this. It's that regimentation. It's that othering. The default was Ashkenazi. And I was like, wow. Um, by this community, this internal discrimination by this community who had been per has been persecuted for so many, many, many years. It's extraordinary how the mind creates these default categories. And um, the default category oftentimes, or the non-default category, the category that's outside, this conditioned outsider is often seen as dangerous. It's, it's dangerous and it's, it's other, and we have to um, do what we can to move into it. Um, anything and anything that's not the default, whatever the default is in, in, this, in this arena that we're in right now, it's white bodies, usually white male able-bodied. Um, anything that's not the default is debased or shamed or brutalized depending on what stories or narratives are, um, have been created and promulgated. You know, the stories you hear about them, whoever them are. So that's, that's really important to see, and we don't question it. We oftentimes don't question that conditioning. Um, so this, this othering is so incredibly painful and traumatizing. As I said, you've all felt it. You've all experienced it in some way, this some kind of othering, um, especially if you went to high school. <laughs> I mean, if you went to high school, I'm sure you experienced this. Or if you were a child, you probably experienced this, this people making fun. I, I was very overweight as a kid, from, as a kid and from grammar school and high school, and it was so painful. It was so painful. I still feel it. You know, lo these many decades later, I can still experience that and I still carry that. So and that's just just, you know, I wasn't in danger of my life because of the othering, because I didn't fit into the default. But there are some people who black people in this country, brown people in this country who are in danger of their lives are in danger because of the mythology of the othering, this conditioning that's so deep we don't even question it. This is what the Buddha was talking about. Absolutely this deep, deep, deep conditioning. Um, you know, and the thing about this is that the default body, the correct body, whatever it is, has, has morphed. This fixed idea has mutated over the years, absolutely mutated. Heavy used to be uh, preferable because that meant you were wealthy and you could afford extra food. You know, different things meant different things. Um, gender and gender roles have, have been fluid throughout the years, the centuries I'm talking. I'm not just talking about last week. I'm talking about they've morphed through the centuries and morphed through the decades. We can see it in almost in some of our lifetimes. What used to be okay is not okay anymore. 
but what the acceptable body has shifted a lot, you know, uh, when I'm talking white body default. Uh, it's really extraordinary. And media has been one of the great promulgators, the most dominant vehicle for shaping um, the default body. And I'm not just talking about um, uh, social media or TV, but media going back through art. You know, uh, when people would paint art, they'd paint the default bodies most of the time or the undefault body. I remember even watching the commercials for Star Trek when the TV show first came out and they had this, it was an illustration and it had the faces of the top um, characters. So I didn't know who they were at the time, but it was like Kirk and Spock. And, and I saw Spock and he had his ears and his, you know, we all know what Spock looks like. And I was going, oh, look, they have a bad guy. I was what? 10 years old. And I'm like, oh, look, they have a, why are they featuring this bad guy? Because you're used to seeing pointed ears, devil. Oh, he's obviously a bad guy because he doesn't meet the default. Not that my brain was calculating that, but that's how I was, that's what I received. Those were the messages I received, the representation. This is why they say representation is important. If you only see imagery of non-default as a particular type, you're not even going to question it. Oh, that's dangerous. That person is dangerous because they are this. So this is this is such such deep conditioning that can cause so much so much difficulty so much pain so much violence. Um, so this is centuries of this uh, media and now advertising and and stuff. It's on steroids and and full blast going out and doing this stuff. There was a comedian who he passed away. Gosh, a while ago. I don't know how long he passed away. His name was Bill Hicks. I think he was popular in the 90s, maybe early 2000s. And he had a routine about advertisers. And he just said, advertisers, you're the worst people on the earth. Just go kill yourselves now because of the stuff they spew, you know, and the false narrative and, and things that um, the, the things they tell you. There's all these things wrong with you because you don't meet the default. Whatever the default is, wherever you are, what the default is. So. So this is where the fifth precept comes in, this expanded idea of the fifth precept and guarding the sense doors. Really pay attention to what you ingest. Pay attention to what you see. Question it. Is this, is this for real? Start chipping away at that, um, at that uh, 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 conditioning. And they talk about today we're in our little social media bubble. Um, Question that. We're only receiving certain things, and it's so easy to other when we do that. So I just just to know that, um, what did I wrote somebody? Oh, God, I had this really good thing that, thought I, uh, oh, because they do this. Oh, yeah, this advertising, this, this creation is in, because it suits someone's purpose. It suits someone's purpose. This is where the greed comes in. This is where the aversion, the hatred comes in. And this is where the uh, uh, delusion, the ignorance come in. These three, these three poisons the Buddha talks about, greed, hatred, and delusion. The greed, the craving, I want certain things. So this 
to create this idea, this false idea suits my purpose. You know, I don't have to point to the world today. I'm sure you can all recognize this in, in, in what's going on in our world right now. So just remember that all body rules, this, these conditioned ideas about default bodies are made up. They're all made up. These fabricated uh, ideas, they're fabrications. These conditioned formations, they're conditioned by ideas we've been implanted with. And so much systemic harm and violence is caused by this, this conditioning. That's what Renzma Menachem, who wrote My Grandmother's Hands, calls white body supremacy. Not necessarily white supremacy, but white body supremacy. So it's the body, the default body. So um, we have to move out of this. To, to start breaking into this this conditioning, um, start uh, start paying attention and asking questions. This is where mindfulness comes in. This is really where mindfulness in, comes in, especially if these default this default conditioning causes harm. You know, race, gender, sexual orientation, able-bodied, mental health. Um, if any of those things are, if we're excluding or including based on those criteria, that's harming someone somehow. And if you're in a world, if you're in, in a, and moving through the world in a way where you don't want to cause harm, you need to investigate this. And she asked a question in the book, which is really what got me sitting up and going, oh, this is a, this is important. In fact, I was at the dentist office on Monday. And I was waiting for my, my teeth to numb, and I read this line, and I just kind of like stood up or sat up in the dental chair. And it's like, she asked this question. We asked this question of ourselves. Why do I need people to be the way I believe they should be? Why do I need people to behave or to be the way I believe they should be, or to behave the way I think they should behave. Because if you would do this, then there's all those if, if, thens. And what the problem is, is because we don't understand. It's not our life. We've been taught something different. And she talks about because we don't understand or people are different, we need to make peace with not understanding. I don't know mind. Okay, I don't know. I don't understand. Make peace with not understanding and make peace with difference. Difference does not equal bad. Our default has made it that because different is probably predator, but it's not. Most of the time, it's this, this fabrication, this idea we've created. And this is another line that is like straight out of Buddhism 101, but it's her. Genuine acceptance invites reality without resistance. Genuine acceptance invites reality without resistance. This acceptance of what is. And I always talk about no one wins a fistfight with reality. So watch the resistance to what is. That's the practice of mindfulness. When we're walking through, I'm, I don't know, Lord knows the next time I'll be in an airport, 
But walking through an airport, I can get so judgy. I don't know what it is. I get so judgy about people. It's like, oh, I, I've created whole life stories about people. Um, and then I have to stop and go, wait a minute, what the hell? Oh, I forgot I love them. I actually have said that. Oh, I forgot I love you. I'll do it in the supermarket, too, if I see somebody dressed weird. Weird, weird to me, to my, my default mind, what I think people should be wearing. I'll go, woo, and then I'll go, oh, um... I forgot I love them. You know, it's a way to diffuse that and bring that that um, awareness of I'm judging somebody who's different. It's really important. It's really important. And she also says, you know, acceptance does not mean condoning bad behavior, violence. That's that's the important point. That acceptance does not mean that. Acceptance means, oh, this is the way it is. This is the way it is, and then we deal with whatever that is. But when you're talking about, like, bodies, people should, don't have to look a certain way. And what does she say? It says, judging says, when we judge, we say things are wrong or right. Those are wrong. With We judge with wrong or right statement. Well, that's just wrong. Well, that's right, and that's wrong. She goes, that's resistance, and it's useless when you talk about bodies. Think about it. That body is wrong. That body is right. Gender, race, sexual orientation, um, ability, uh, mental health. I know I'm leaving one out, but you know that kind of a thing. They're not wrong or right. They just are the way they are. Period. Period. So, and Audre Lorde said, it's not our differences that divide us, but our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate those differences. You know, it's not our differences, but our inability to be okay with difference. Difference does not equal dangerous. That's the thing. And when we think it does, we create all these rules to control the danger that doesn't need to be controlled. What was it? I saw somebody said the Bible says... You can't, Bible, um, Bible says wearing mask interferes with your ability to pray. Somebody posted that today that they saw that written somewhere. And I said, they're just making shit up, which is what all of this is, just making shit up. This is all fabrication. And we have to see that really bottom line we have to ship. Does it cause harm or does it not cause harm? That's the key point right there, you know? That's the key point. Does it cause harm or not cause harm? Does it does it cultivate compassion or not? Is it generous or greedy, craving? Is it hateful or loving? Is it wise or deluded? We have to move in the direction of letting go of this conditioning because that's the place of bliss. That's the place of ease. That's nibbana, nirvana. Judgments are learned and they can be unlearned. You know, they are deeply internalized messages which have created an adversarial relationship. That's what she says. They're deeply internalized messages which have created an adversarial relationship with the world or with particular parts of the world. That's what our conditioning is. 
That's what we chase. We chase what we think will fix. And we push away what we think will don't. And where whether this says hands off, be with what is, you never know. You never know. Just greet with what, what's present. Like we 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 label our feelings a particular way. Good, bad, should, shouldn't. That causes suffering. That causes shame. And when it spills out and causes harm onto others, it's especially egregious. So those are those are some thoughts. I think this is, a, and I'm only halfway through the book. I can't wait until I finish it. So it's really good stuff. Um, so those are my thoughts about this particular aspect of how we are conditioned beings and the 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 immense um, impact this kind of conditioning has on the world. It's had an impact for centuries, thousands of years, absolutely thousands of years. So um, I'm I'm going to, as usual, break you into some groups. But otherwise, I, if before that, are there any questions or comments on any of this? Any need any clarification? Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.